0: Hi from the biggest Studios. It is Weekend Geek Update Smurf here, ready to learn what's going on in the geekverse cuz it's on fire right now. Holy moly, there are tons of stories out there. Trailers to be spoken of and announcements like you wouldn't believe. You'd think that Hollywood had been off and had time to plan things. Oh, <laughs> uh, so what else? Oh, Uh, We don't have an official sponsor for this podcast, but um, if you are looking to sponsor a podcast and are interested in please send me a direct message or contact me through the page. If you are wanting to sponsor the Weekend Geek update, um, we have an open hole at the moment. And um, yeah, so why not? It's fun. Everybody gets to listen to your name spoken and, and your business tagged. There you go. That that's my there's my shameless plug. <laughs> so where do we start? Well, let's start because I got I got a huge story I want to talk about, and I'm not, I'm not I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I want to work up to it. But uh, if you're paying attention, there there's a lot. Uh, in the nerdverse but let's start with some simple things uh the Super Bowl happened that was eh, it was even okay so here's the thing i i watched the super Bowl like i normally do and the commercials um that i was hoping were going to be entertaining there were there were some they were great but as the the game continued the commercials kind of petered out same as the teams i mean I, by the end I was just like well this Commercials sucked. Usually, they keep my attention through most of it, but I think by halftime, I was like, "Okay, I'm, I'm spent." The one that like one of the ones that stood out to me, of course, was um, the Dunkings, uh, which (laughs) how how much in in Ben Affleck's pocket is Matt Damon? I mean, come on, Matt. No, just just say. No, I mean J Lo has to do it. She's married to him, but but really, Matt, come on, you you've got you've got better things to do. Have some pride, man. But actually, the commercial was pretty funny, and hopefully, they kind of run with that. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of the Dun Kings, just because <laughs> I I just thought it was hilarious just to see Matt Damon just kind of standing there like mm, no. <laughs> Also, uh, Groundhog's Day happened, it was uh, February 2nd, and there was a great story that came out of Chicago on this one. And in case you missed it, uh, Groundhog's Day was officially declared Harold Remus Day in Chicago. And that just warmed my heart. I mean, not only just because of Ghostbusters, but just kind of like the whole you know, everyone coming together for this. Because there was such, I don't want to say bad water or, or or issues between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray, but there there was a tiff. And some of it actually happened, and I think the majority of the issues that arose between the two of them happened on uh, the making of Groundhog Day. So to see this push, I mean, later, of course, Bill Murray and, and, and Harold kind of Reconciled and and put things behind them and aired whatever issues they had or whatever happened, none of our business. But in the end, they were friends again before you know Harold passed, which is hugely tragic. But the crew uh, and the cast of Groundhog's Day reunited for the first time since um, the premiere uh, to celebrate the holiday and the movie and everything for Harold. Bill Murray was quoted saying, uh, We are looking out for each other. Uh, From the beginning, it was very serious. We did things for fun, and we were having fun. If we were making each other laugh, it was okay. There would be uh, a little glint in your eye. And just to hear Bill Murray just speak about his friends and everything that went on, it is great. And I'm hoping it stays that way. We don't need to pull out that poor little rodent. Is it, is it a groundhog a rodent or a marsup? I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure someone will at me and tell me what they are. But um, it's it, it was great, and I want that to happen. I want it to be, you know, Harold Ramis Day. Does Harold Ramis see his shadow? Well, then we we we've got more more days to repeat themselves. <laughs> Speaking of seeing their shadow, evidently Jim Carrey saw his and decided to come out of retirement just so he can shoot another Sonic the Hedgehog film. I watched um, Kick-Ass 2 the other day, and it just reminded me of what sent Carrey in the tailspin to begin with, with just how gruesome that film was. And Carrey had no idea when he was filming it, the the intensity of the, the comic, the character, the film, all of that. So, him getting back to his, you know, more friendlier comedic roots, he was happy to do. And he's been retired for a while. I know he's been doing paintings and, and stuff like that. And I saw him on, I think it was Comedians Getting Coffee with Seinfeld. And he seemed really at peace with himself. So, him retiring was no surprise. But uh, coming back out of retirement to do another Sonic film is just kind of, mm, okay, I guess. I don't know. I wasn't, I'm not, Eh i remember when we we were talking about the original first film coming out and the first design for sonic which was wretched and thank god they listened to the fans and went back and fixed it but i never i mean after that i never really cared to see it i think i've seen clips of it but i know i'm a bad nerd i never saw it and i don't want to other things that happened during the Super Bowl, and again, I love I love when when the spheres cross because you have trailers for films, and the most noteworthy one, of course, has to be Deadpool and Wolverine, and the trailer. It, I mean, you get like this little snippet, and they're like, "Go online if you want to see the trailer," like you bastards. So, of course. Everybody went. I'm surprised. I think they were trying to break the internet, of course, but everyone made a beeline for the internet. Like that. We were even sitting in the room like, Ooh, let's go check. And okay, here's my initial reaction. Cool. And the end of the MCU, maybe, maybe I know that the Marvels got a huge, um, bum review. I mean, and to be fair, it's not a good movie and it's a reason why it bombed. So with, Deadpool and Wolverine coming in is this a chance to get Marvel back on track and in sync maybe but uh the one thing that I can hope for and that we will see and of course I know Red has commented about the darker timeline um maybe we'll finally get the X-Men in the MCU I know we had um, the the final clip scene out of the Marvels. If you haven't watched it, like me, uh, I just went and uh, did the YouTube thing and just see what the final credit scene was. They do go to the darker timeline, where the X-Men and everybody else are. So, will we get it? Will we not? I don't know. I will put the trailer on the 5280Geek website. You can go check it out, give it a look, give it a watch. But um, it, it, it's fine. It's, it's exactly what you expected. And there's no... The one quick little thing, though, which kind of was quirky, in my opinion, is having the TVA, um, the time agency out of Loki, show up. And that mm, starts making the, 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 the wheels turn. Like, ooh, are we going to see Loki come back? Which I think would be spectacular. I don't like how well, I mean, it, it was it's very I don't know. Uh, I still I still kind of have reservations of how they ended Loki and his his sudden and abrupt well, I guess it wasn't. I guess it uh, I mean, I, it feels abrupt to me. Just boom. You're a tree now. <laughs> Just like that. If you don't want any spoilers for Deadpool, uh, I will simply tell you July 26 is when the film is slated to come out, and Hugh Jackman looks wolverine-ish, and the costume—we finally get a Wolverine costume, which you know only took what 10, 15 years to get done finally. And fine, whatever. But it looks, it looks good, and it's exactly what you expect from Deadpool. So. Fingers crossed it doesn't get Disney fied. Ooh, ooh, speaking of trailers and X Men, X Men 97, which we've talked about, um, finally has the trailer for it up. I can include that in below as well so you can get caught up on that. They are picking up right after the end of the cur- uh, cartoon. So I went back and kind of caught up. I watched the final season of X Men. So I figured I'm going to watch backwards. <laughs> You know, see how it ends, and then go all the way back to the beginning, because, you know, that makes sense. So, it does pick up, Xavier looks like he's dead, and I wanted to say they were going to pull a story from classic X-Men, where Morph um, was the one that actually died, because he was doubling as Professor Xavier. But, Morph actually is in the room, and the lineup with all of the X-Men, as Xavier kicks off the earthly mortal coil. So... There goes that theory. I did see later in the trailer, though, Morph becomes more of the Exiles Morph that we all have come to love, and uh, I thought he was great in the comic, uh, in this cartoon. So maybe we'll see Blink come back. Maybe we'll see a few other different characters that uh, are, are definitely in need of showing up. But the trailer... I mean, okay. The, 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 the child in me is jumping up and down. This does look really good. And... It is more current with, like, the art style and everything else. It doesn't really hail to the 90s. Um, The color schemes are there, but it's not quite as, well, obnoxious. And you can tell that they're using, like, a a different base color because, you know, like, Batman the Animated Series was uh, black backgrounds. And then they would just basically paint and do everything on top of the black. So I don't know what they're using as the base on this one, but... The trailer looks great. I can't wait. Hopefully, um, they 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 do it justice. But I I'm I'm actually having full faith in this. And uh, uh yeah, yeah, you heard me. I'm being a fan again of the X Men. Damn it! And for those of you keeping track at home, Henry Cavill's reenactment of the Highlander is December 2025. That is all. What am I watching is a great question. And everyone asks that of me pretty much all the most consistently asked question. So as series and shows have gone on hiatus and they're stopping and we're hitting season finales, like a huge one that's coming up uh, next week is The Irrational. I absolutely love that show. Um, And I think it's probably one of the best thought out and produced shows uh, NBC has put together just absolutely brilliant, and, and it keeps you kind of hooked. I'm 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 totally on board with the character and and just like the whole the whole premise. It didn't hurt that um, Jesse L. Martin, who from The Flash. The CW, who I I had absolutely loved his character. I loved just just listening to the guy talk. He's kind of a cool, down to earth guy, and 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 I really enjoy his his performance in Flash. So I gave it a shot, and it was probably one of the best decisions because it's just like okay, a psychiatrist going and solving crimes. It had you know just very castle esque kind of vibes to it. But it really quickly developed into something more than that. And how Jesse portrays, portrays this character is absolutely great. It, it is so well done. I don't think it's that many episodes, so you could probably easily catch up on it. And it's worth it's worth a watch, just to even just kind of get get through it. Um, I think, yeah, I'm showing that there's only 11 episodes. So... Go over to your streaming services, Peacock or On Demand from Comcast. Give it a watch. Let me know what you think because it's 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 entertaining for me, uh, and and yeah, if it's entertaining for me, it'll be entertaining for you. <laughs> also, season finales, Quantum Leap. Ah, oh, so quick, so early. Why, why? Um, but I'm not going to spoil anything on Quantum Leap. But the other shows that I'm kind of completely hooked on right now um, was the the, uh, the Traitor. And it's Alan Cummings hosts this, and I'm not one for reality shows, don't get me wrong. I normally just don't care, but for some strange reason, just the premise of it is is entertaining as hell. And I normally don't care, like I said, about reality TV. I may or may not watch the new Deal or No Deal. I just want to see if they reveal who the hell the banker is, all right? And Joe Magnola is is great, and there's no way I knew that they were going to get Howie Mandel on an island just because of his germaphobias and and all of that. But I digress. Traitor is this show on Peacock. It's not on NBC or any of the other affiliates. It is specifically streaming on Peacock. So I went over, I gave it a try, and I got hooked. It's about, uh, I don't know, I didn't watch the first season. This is season two. They have all these former reality show stars from, like, The Bachelor and Survivor and uh, Big Brother and all these people in one house. It's a castle in Scotland. It's great. And Alan Cummings is absolutely brilliant in it. He's just this wonderfully flamboyant, fun, I mean, cliched, absolutely, but just hilarious so you have all these people gathered together that are trying to um, compete for money, of course, and they do all of these different tasks to add to that pot. That's kind of like the underlining story. That one isn't even... I, I don't even care about the, the competitions, even though they are kind of fun. The kicker on this story is that all these people get murdered, figuratively. And you have the traitors and the faithful. And the faithful is, of course, outnumbers the traitors, and the traitors are amongst them, but nobody knows who they are, all right? At the end of each episode, they they have a roundtable, and they vote on who they think the traitor is, or traitors. And if they, you know, get it right, great. If they get it wrong, well, they just eliminated one of the faithful. So the... the, the the traders i mean they've racked up a body count they've they've they haven't even lost a, a, a player yet so uh, while they do the round table then the traders get together and vote on who to murder so of course there's amnesty shields and all of this and it's it's very reality show and it's very over the top but it is hilarious and i get hooked on it because i i don't know how i would do in a show like this but just kind of watching them it's like playing or watching people play poker on TV, you're like, I'd be great at that, because, you know, you can see the other person's cards, and then you go and play, and you're like, yeah, I'm horrible at this. I almost think that that would be the case, because there is a lot of head games, and watching the characters go through, I'm not going to spoil it in case you actually do go watch it, um, but it is, it's is, it's just funny to me. I just really am, and just how these people are just, just so serious, and venomous, and just ah, angry. So... <laughs> And I'm just curious what Alan Cummings is going to come out wearing next. I mean, he's done some amazing frocks and kilts and hairstyles. And he's just completely over the top. And like I said, absolutely worth a watch. Also, this last week, we saw the return of Halo. Okay. Now the final end of season one, I watched before season two, just to get kind of re refreshed a little bit. I didn't watch the whole season again. Cause there was a lot of just stuff I didn't care for. I just wanted to get the, like my footing, get reintroduced to the setting, the universe as it were, and go on with season two and kind of remember season one was there maybe, but I have to say season two really kicked off with a bang not only are we seeing the Covenant do things that uh, I didn't think they were would do on this show, but the exploration of, like, the characters and this universe was great in the first couple of episodes. And I think they're actually going to do what I had hoped. Because they're already going to Reach. So, if we are going to see what I think is going to be the fall of Reach, uh, I I'm... I'm absolutely thrilled everyone has been talking uh in like the interviews and all of that for the show stating that how much darker this season compared to season one is going to be and that's fine it should be it's it's the halo universe it is dark the human race is on the verge of being like wiped out by the covenant of course it's going to be dark and the just the setup is so interesting so now, I'm trying to, like, figure out who is who in the the characters for Reach. Because, you know, I, I felt the death of every single one of those play, characters playing the game. I was broken up, sad even. <sighs> I didn't think they were all going to die. But, that was the fun. So now, to see this reenact on TV, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. So, hopefully... Well, you know what would be actually perfect because one of the characters, um, Odst, uh, Nathan Fillion voices one of like the characters that makes it through and goes on uh, after Reach. So I was hoping we might actually see um, Nathan Fillion show up just just as a cameo, which would be fun, right? Come on, I know Nathan Fillion doesn't have anything going on with the rookie or anything. <laughs> So I'm in. I'm set. Hopefully this week we see what happens if Reach is on um, on the crosshairs. It's so, so freaking cool. Speaking of video game shows, uh, on the other end of the streaming services, Amazon's Fallout TV show is set and ready to go. They're saying Friday, April 12th will be when um, we see the release. So, I'm, I'm... Again... I, I, I'm very hesitant when it comes to the video game side of stuff, and I, I applaud that they, the Halo people are so involved in keeping this kind of true to the character to certain degrees. But the question is, and just how beloved Fallout is by all of the fans, and my brother included, I asked him a couple questions about the game, and he just said of how masterfully complicated and fun the, the whole Fallout series is and getting out of the bunker and just the character interactions and then the world at large. And I've seen pictures of, like, the scenes and and the backgrounds and all of that. And, of course, it's hard to tell through the trailer what's real and what's CGI and blue screened and all that. But if it really is as practical as it looks in the trailer, I'm I'm excited. Maybe they're starting to... Listen to the fans. Pay attention. Last of Us, which I I I I praise, high praises for that show on HBO. And Pedro Pascal delivered a, a, a great performance. And the whole, just the whole story itself. I would have liked to have seen more, you know, killer clickers and blobbies and stuff like that. But what we got, I guess, is fine. I know we eventually will see season two um eventually but i don't know how that's going to go because story to proceed later the one thing that i have to say though with everything working towards um fallout is i uh, my issue is amazon it's not really even fallout Amazon is so quick to abandon its causes and cases. And I know everyone is like wondering if there's going to be a season two when we haven't even seen season one because the fans are this, that avid and, and invested in the, in this series. So my fear is this. I watch it. I love it. Amazon doesn't get what they think is coming out of it. And in the, in the bin, it goes, and we've seen that happen before. Cowboy Bebop again, I think, was too prematurely tossed in the bin. There, there's, there's validation. It, it, it's redeemable. It, it just, you just got to do the, the right care. You, you can't just plant it and just think it's going to work. It's not going to grow. You got to take care of it. Put in the time. Put in the time. So that said. They put in a lot of time on this, and I'm excited to see what the final result is. No comment on, or at least I haven't seen it, uh, how many episodes we're expecting for Season 1. And I know Amazon usually does enough filming to get a Season 2 already pretty much completed, because they film uh, all of Season 1, and they kind of chop it up to make a Season 2. I don't know if this is going to be the case. Maybe it will be. Fingers crossed, um, but April twelfth. Mark calendars. And other interesting news that just kind of caught my eye. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, of course, has stated he's got one one film left in him, and then he's done. The man uh, is 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 saying he's going to retire. So the final film that he's doing and working on currently is titled The Movie Critic, and he's just recently added Brad Pitt to the cast. So, I'm 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 really looking forward to this actually. I I'm a huge fan of Tarantino. I I not all okay, granted not all of his films are Great, but a lot of them have been, and I mean, it's it's hard to deny Kill Bill. It really is. In Glorious Bastards, okay, there were some liberties taken. Let's be honest, but it was still kind of entertaining just to even see Brad Pitt and that that whole final scene. Uh, given that you know that none of that ever happened, or uh, how that whole story flew apart, but that was actually really really impressive as far as like the the bar scene and everything uh i did like it okay there's elements of it and and it's 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 hard to deny but if tarantino's calling it quits what does that really mean for the 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 rest of us so i have often asked myself or i asked this question where's this generation's john hughes i i I often ask this question just because just John Hughes had such an impact on films back in the day. Of course, you know immediately everyone thinks like Ferris Bueller, uh, Home Alone. There, there are so many uh, Hughes films that have shaped. I mean, even Kevin Smith says Hughes's influence on him as a filmmaker is is undeniable. And you know, you you see it too in how he builds these films. So. Is Tarantino this generation's John Hughes? Is there a secret message or something underneath there that is going to drive future filmmakers? It's a great question. And no, I I don't think, no, I really don't think Quentin Tarantino is this generation's John Hughes. It'd be nice if we could find him, but I don't, I do not think (laughs) that Tarantino is this generation's John Hughes. But I do have to admit the impact that Tarantino has. Left on filmmaking And one of the few guys that still uses Actual film in uh, The process is Admirable, it's remarkable And it, it 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 speaks to His craft And how serious He he approaches it And puts into it So the It's So the film We'll move back because this is what we're actually talking about uh, Is just pretty much Well the movie critic so any question as far as who or what is going to be in it is is very tricky and tarantino has gone on to say that the character is actually loosely based on someone who he has met or is encountered and the movie is set in the 70s so he's kind of staying in that that era because I know uh, the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is also kind of in that that seventies realm for the last film that he did, which not a lot of people really got into. So we'll we'll see how this rides out. Um, there's nothing as far as dates or, or anything uh, else on this, but I just find it interesting that I'm uh, I love that Tarantino pulls from the same well, and just like Kevin Smith to to build his world and it's the same characters and same people and, and I'm just I'm a fan I can't I can't deny it huge fan and we'll see what we come up with for a film on this one good luck and 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 if you need a stand in Tarantino I I am I am available also in case you might have missed it cuz I I did. I didn't realize it until it showed up as like a trailer in my feeds. Um, Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, has started, actually. It's an animated series from DC, of course, that is picking up or I guess it's the closeout for DC's Tomorrowverse, which didn't really last that long. I think they got half a dozen different films under the Tomorrowverse banner. And now we are going into Crisis on Infinite Earths, which I if this follows suit, resets everything, and I guess we'll start some new animated cinematic universe to coincide with whatever Gun has got planned. Now, the whole thing basically kicks out of the last animated series, Flashpoint, and it looks cool. The trailer that I saw, totally on board, but they're looking, or it looks like, there's going to be a number of crisis films. Um, I think four different films I've seen, so part one through four, to do, I guess, this properly. And it it is... I don't want to say it's like the one good story DC has, but it definitely is one of the most impactful stories. It is right in there with... The 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 Dark Phoenix Saga. You know, you you it's the one series that everybody wants to see adapted and done well to begin with, but wants to see it and just how it was. And and binging all of the different characters, because there's... Well, the trailer that I saw, there's a great interaction between Robin and Batman, but it's not the Batman we know. It's the one from the Tomorrowverse, so... The, the interaction's a little awkward, but you can just see just how this, this all puts together. And when the CW did this for the Arrowverse, I wanted more. I really did. And I think they could have done more, but I'm sure budgetary reasons kind of stopped it. And we're never going to see this in a film, let's be honest. There is no way that the... I mean, we're looking at like Marvel Cinematic Universe build-up to even come close to scratching the surface on this story arc. And it's fine. Not everything should be adapted to film. But on the animated side, DC has done some impressive work and some great accomplishments for stories that I never thought we would see. I mean, Killing Joke... They probably could have done a little bit better job on and maybe tooled that up a little bit better. But still, something I never thought we would see. DC continues to surprise us with that. Maybe this is the, the, the kicking off of something that is going to be way, way more than any of us expect. So it is, and I think, only available streaming and i haven't seen like physical copies in target, uh, best buy is getting away from physical media altogether and if you haven't seen that happen already it's it's coming it's coming and it just makes me cry i like i like a physical library damn it and keeping with the dc side for a moment the and if you've been wondering where uh superman and lois uh are great question because i've been curious where that is i know it got delayed because of the writer strike and that's fine just take all the time that you want the final season season four is looking to be impressive and while there are some very tight lipped people it's not like going to a marvel press conference everyone in this camp has stayed silent kind of Uh, Lois, uh, went on a interview and said, point blank, there are deaths involved. It's very epic. We're going out with a bang in the end. There are actually very, very high stakes. So didn't reveal any other kind of thing like that. And I'm, I'm, I love this show. All right, this show has completely suckered me every season. Okay, I think it's going one way and it goes another. I think it's one villain and it's not. It's this villain, and and I keep I keep waiting to see Supergirl. I know it's just silly that way, but they have done such an amazing job on this show, and to even have like one of the actors quit, one of the sons. I'm still trying to figure out what that guy was thinking. It's like you know. Denise Crosby quitting after the first season of Next Gen. You just you just don't do that. You just don't see that every day. So that said, the actual head of uh, the CW Entertainment, Brad Schwartz, uh, went on and actually said uh, via Deadline that Superman and Lois has been pushed further back uh, on his broadcasting slate. Although the final season was initially slated to premiere this summer, Schwartz stated that the show will be wasted. If it returned any time before the fall. Uh he has shared that he just watched the season four premiere last night and that it will make you cry. Lovely. Excellent. This is what I'm talking about. When the the, the staff and, and the executives are, are dialed in and, and they know what's going on. They're not Kevin Feige. They they take the time, they do the research, they listen to the fans, and, and they get it right. They get it right. And I'm sad to see the show go. I think this is probably one of the best spin-outs from the Arrow universe with the exception of Flash that we we got to see. I mean, the first season of Legend Tomorrow was kind of cool, but it really went off the rails. Obliterated. But uh, this is perfect. Don't waste it. Let 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 the impact come in. I'm curious what made him cry. Who who dies? What happens? Does Lois go kaput? Are we going to see, like, Kingdom Come-style Superman? This is just, this is what I'm looking forward to. And, like I said, the writing and everything that they've done for this show has suckered me more times than I can count, so I have a feeling that this is going to do this to me as well. But it does answer one question. When we are going to see it, uh, look for the Fall Kids, because that's um, what they're looking at. And I think it's the best decision they could make. What else? Oh, um, a classic movie that um, couldn't be made today in this day and age turns 50. Of course, I'm talking about one of my personal favorites and hero, Mel Brooks. And the film is Blazing Saddles. Now, I remember watching this, this show. Well, see, I thought it was a show because it was on network television the first time that I saw it. And it's funny because, and I've brought this up to people, some, some know what I'm talking about, others just scratch their head and think I'm a lunatic. But there are different versions of Blazing Saddles, but they've never put all of the different versions together. There's stuff that I saw on the TV version of Blazing Saddles, because someone asked, why is Blazing Saddles rated R? Have you not watched the film? <laughs> it's, it's Again, it could not be made in this day and age. However... The, 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 the one that was on network television that showed up and was, I mean, it was, I don't know, it was, I forgot what channel it was. But there's edits, and of course, you know, they take out all of the bad words and, you know, the, the innuendos and the slurs and everything else. And it's still a funny film. But there are scenes in there that never, I've never seen in any of the video releases, DVDs, extended, um, nothing. And there are some certain scenes that are just funny, like them going through the the, the toll booth. There's um, another scene right after that where the mayor makes it into the fake town and and starts taking pictures with the dummies. It's kind of kind of funny. There's this whole additional sequence with Bart and Mungo. So, I, where are these versions? These are the what these are the questions that keep me up at night if you really want to know. But this film is is, is spectacular. You can't you got to take it for what it is and it's more of a victim of time and place than anything else. When things were acceptable that aren't acceptable now. And rightfully so. There 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 are things that shouldn't there's certain lines that shouldn't be crossed. That's fine. But in the attempt of humor and being able to laugh at one's self and then not take yourself so seriously is a valuable tool. And it is something that I think people need to learn and, and to kind of, you know, expand on because there's, there's some people with issues out there that if they just relax, just, just, a t- just a tad, it'd be okay. And I think, watching a Mel Brooks film is definitely, <laughs> is definitely that. It gives you perspective. It gives you, uh, inner reflecting. It is, there's so much to a Mel Brooks film. There's so many layers. And this film actually is the one that got me into Mel's work. And I ended up going back to see some of his other classics after seeing this film. Of course, once I got older, um, you know, I, would, I saw the producers and just that was my next film high anxiety was the next one after that so any kind that I could try and go down to the video store yeah uh-huh, video store and get a Mel Brooks film you better believe I'm going that's what I would do and probably some of them I shouldn't watch but they are great and Mel's humor and take and everything is great because history of the world part one perfect history of the world part two. Not so much. Again, some things just can't be recreated, and it's a time and place thing. But 50 years for Blazing Saddles. uh, If you don't own it, get it. Again, because, you know, physical media is going away. Uh, I definitely will be watching that tonight. In other news, another trailer that landed. Uh, we're going to see Invincible season two, part two, coming in March fourteenth. The trailer is gruesome. Holy hell! Love this. Love this cartoon, and so much fun. And I, I'm glad I never read the comic. I really am at this point, and I'm not going to. Just like Sweet Tooth, I don't want to read the comic. I don't. I don't want it contaminating my 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 perspective I like where I'm at with these two shows and I think it is absolutely brilliant how they're approaching it so I'm sure Invincibles the cartoon is not too far off from the comic which is fine but uh, the first half of season 2 was uh, glorious it's, glor- it's a masterpiece that's right I said it masterpiece <laughs> Alright, here we go. This is, um, my take this week is quite interesting because I really wasn't, I didn't really have much of a take going into the podcast, but the more I'm reading on this subject, the more I, I have an opinion, and I don't know if it's going to be a popular one, and I'm not sure if I have even my opinion completely fleshed out yet, but you and I, we're going we're gonna to work through this together. Yesterday, or a couple days ago, there was an announcement from Marvel. And this one is actually kind of big. And I want to preface it with this question going into it. Can Pedro Pascal save the Fantastic Four and the MCU? And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, here's the skinny. Marvel ends up announcing... Two days ago, or there's another update yesterday as far as what is going on. Fantastic Four is the first family in Marvel Comics. It, it laid the groundwork and started Marvel, and everything basically comes out of the Fantastic Four. And the first attempt, I think, in the films, that's what they were going to try and do. They just never got there, and which is fine. Chris Evans didn't need to be the Human Torch. He was he was destined to be Captain America, so it makes sense. But I think that's the original plan. Now we have the new film. Well, we won't talk about what's happened in between because there's that other film that was just garbage. Oh my God, the thing looked horrible, like absolutely horrible. And it's hard to beat Michael Chiklis as the thing. Okay, he it was perfect again perfect casting same thing chris evans at the time was very human torchy uh, uh, but as captain america definitely a better better fit something that worked for the form and everything that went with it but now we have a very interesting take so we 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 get pedro pascal as reed richards and i'm not sure i'm really ready for that um Simply because I liked who we saw in Doctor Strange. Um, The Multiverse of Madness gives us another multiverse where Reed Richards is portrayed by John Karansky. And I actually like him as Reed. It worked. And it, it seemed to kind of fit. I know Pedro Pascal is, is spectacular. The man can do no wrong. He's hilarious. And I love him at the, the award shows and, and even him showing up on Saturday Night Live. He's got a great sense of humor and he's just, he's just a cool dude. Okay. But I don't think he's shoving him into every role may not necessarily be the answer to the problem that you think it's going to be. He is the Mandalorian without a doubt. But is he Reed Richards? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I can't see him in that role. I'm sure he can play Brainy and I'm sure he can do um, the Reed Richards thing. But I honestly think John did a better job when the, like, the limited amount of screen time that we saw in the Mouth of Madness. I mean, Multiverse of Madness. (laughs) Sorry, Mouth of Madness horror film. Sam. What's his face? Not Elliot. Sam, Sam no, it's not Sam Elliot. Um, anyway, I digress. The Multiverse of Madness, I think John does a much better portrayal of Reed than what we're going to see from Pedro. And it's just, I I just can't see it. I'm, I'm just scratching my head, just wondering why. But I do understand why. He's popular. Everybody loves him. He's a cool guy, like I said. And... Why not? But it's the rest of the crew, now that I'm kind of like, after that got announced, and the rest of the stars kind of came to light. Uh, Vanessa Kirby is going to play Sue Storm as the Invisible Woman. Um, She... uh, What is... Oh, she's out of Mission Impossible. That's why I'm not familiar with her, because I'm not going to go see a Tom Cruise film. We're not going to go down that road. (laughs) Everybody knows that. Um, We've got... Joseph Quinn as Johnny Storm. Of course, he's Stranger Things alum. And he'll be Johnny Storm, Human Torch. And Eben Moss Branch. Brock Branch. Yeah. Eben Moss. Anyway. um, He's going to be playing The Thing. And he's... uh, I don't know him. I don't think I've seen him in anything. So, again, another relatively unknown which is nothing bad unknowns come in and you know do things that nobody else thought to do and kind of you know give it a fresh take a great perspective so the question now is when when are we going to see this and marvel is working diligently are we going to see the classic Fantastic Four? Are we going to see them back in the current MCU? It's excellent questions. Yesterday, uh, for Fa- Valentine's Day, they released an image of a Valentine's Day card. And it's set 60s style uh, in the image with all of the actors' faces on their perspective characters. And it's an art piece. It's cool. It's on Instagram. And. I think it's a bigger indicator than they're they're letting on. I honestly think that we are going to get a older kind of Invincibles-style Fantastic Four. Where it's a little bit older, they can kind of come up with some fun tech because it wouldn't exist yet. And just show how genius Reed Richards really is. So maybe John being, you know, in the multiverse out there still can be Reed Richards without it affecting Pedro too badly but is the 60s the right answer for the Fantastic Four I don't I don't know it's an excellent question and I think the the Fantastic Four that we had to begin with the first one no not the the bad 90s one that just went directly to video the 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 recent one with uh everybody I think if they kind of try and stayed in that vein, I don't think we need a retelling. Again, it's like Spider-Man, we, uh, Superman, Batman. We, we know the story. We've seen it and heard it a thousand times. I don't think we need to rehash it. And, in fact, I would almost prefer that they just kind of did it in flashbacks and they just jumped right into a story and, you know, one day at the Baxter building, burr, 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 we get this. So... With that said, there has been um, an, an interesting development. Actor Ben Mendelsohn, uh, who you may remember from Star Wars Rogue One. He is uh, just spectacular in that film. But Ben has actually gone on record in an interview that he did for GQ Magazine saying he would love, in fact, Here's his direct quote. I would almost give my eyes and teeth to play Dr. Doom. (laughs) Uh, He believes Dr. Doom to be uh, a pivotal yet unexplored character within Marvel's repertoire that deserves a standout portrayal. Uh, He went on to continue to say, It's been incredible. I don't think this ship was coming uh, acknowledging his uh, prestigious opportunities like working with renowned directors Steven Spielberg and uh, Ridley Scott. So, he he does quite an, an perform, incredible performance in Rogue One. Again, best Star Wars film of the last 10 years. I can see him as Doom. I really can. And just c- c- the the menacing that he has just radiates menacing. <laughs> I I think he would be a great choice as Dr. Doom. I don't have a story. There's too many stories for the Fantastic Four. I don't know which one you focus on. And there's a lot of material to go back on. So, and if they're staying in the 60s, do we, I, I don't want to say immediately go to the coming of Galactus, but that is kind of one of the big benchmark stories. Again, like the Dark Phoenix and... Infinite Crisis and Crisis on Infinite Earths and all of that stuff. That is, the Surfer, Galactus, do we establish the universe first before we bring in the World Eater? Maybe. But then I'm not really like the authority when it comes to the Fantastic Four. I've always kind of stepped in and out of Fantastic Four stories because sometimes it just gets bad. I mean, same thing with The Avengers. I've always been kind of like one foot in, one foot out when it comes to reading The Avengers. So, I'm... I, in fact, right now, The the Avengers is, is a really big miss, but there's a new limited series that is spectacular and very, very reminiscent of some great Avengers. Watch my top five. It will show up. They're guaranteed. Issue 2 just came out. Uh, give it a look. But, That said, what what do we do? Or do we look at the Ultimates universe for the Fantastic Four? They did do a very impressive kind of bringing about that story and those characters, and we did get the Marvel Zombies from the Ultimate universe. So maybe that's something to consider. But Doctor Doom, a must. I wouldn't mind seeing Mole Man, to be honest with you. That would be kind of fun to have all of that. But it's also very reminiscent of uh, the Invincibles. So... What do you do? Decisions, decisions. I'm sure all of these will come out uh, as we get closer, because they're saying that we won't see this until 2025, um, most likely, and will be right about the same time as uh, the Thunderbolts. So they're saying, uh, because originally it was set for May 2nd of 2025, and now it's been bumped to July 25th, swapping dates with Marvel's Thunderbolts, which... Don't get me started on the Thunderbolts because none of anybody is. I, I've written that that show off that movie off because uh, again, I digress. We won't talk about that because that's my take on the announcement of the new Fantastic Four. And that kind of wraps up this week. Madam Web is coming out. In fact, it is out. Go see it. Let me know what you think. Uh, we also have Godzilla vs. Kong, which will be coming out also this month. So look for reviews on both of those films on 5280geek.com. And we've got some more surprises coming for you as we close out February. Here in, We're at less than the halfway point for February and. March is already looking full, so keep your eyes peeled, 5280geek.com, or our Facebook or our Instagram. Give us a like, give us a share, tell all your friends about your dirty little secret. Uh, But in the meantime, and on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. Run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night!